Well, God bless you. You you can hear me? Very good. Um, You may be seated as we uh, get ourselves together here. Um, Grateful to God to be here. And um, first thing I want to do is to really um, give honor to the presence of the Lord in this church. It's always it's, it's always good to be in a place um, where God is. I think that would be a good idea. And uh, my wife and I, we usually have this term, uh, BYOA, and that means there are churches where you have to BYOA. That means uh, this, they can be so dry that you have to be, bring, Y, your, O, own anointing. <laughs> Bring your own anointing. Uh, but, but praise God, this is not one of those churches. So can you turn to somebody and tell them this is not one of those churches? It is. Uh, so, amen. Thank God. Whew. You know, you're thanking God. I'm thanking God because I'm preaching. <laughs> Got to prime the pump. But anyways, um, and so uh, I want to give honor also not only to the presence of God here, but also to the, those of you who are veterans. Uh, my dad passed away this year from uh, COVID, and he was a veteran of the Korean War. And one of the things, because of the way COVID is, and it was in the early stages, so um, we were just praying to God that the one thing we wanted to do is to make sure that my mom got his flag. And God just supernaturally was able to get us that flag in one day because uh, they had to get his, uh, his papers. Those of you who are in the forces know you get to get the uh, honorary discharge papers to make sure that you're deserving of the, f- and God just turned that around supernaturally one day. So I'm just grateful to God for that. So I commend, I once again congratulate and honor you who are veterans who fought for our country. Um, also, I want to give honor to your pastors, uh, Pastor uh, Jeff and, and Pastor Debbie, and um, just met Pastor Jeremy and Gabe as they were uh, joined in at the prayer retreats in New England, <coughs> particularly in the Boston area. But your pastor is one of the most gracious men that I know. He's just been such a blessing, and every time, you know, I, I've... I, I've almost decided not to buy any books because I know all I have to do is wait for Pastor Jeff to come and he'll fill my library. So start giving these Holy Spirit uh, um, hints like, you know, this. (laughs) Good, great. Um, (laughs) And so he's just really been uh, a blessing. Hope that sounds better. We don't usually, hopefully we'll get it together. And then I want to give honor. Uh, just so that I can go back to my hotel room, uh, to my wife, uh, Carmen Green. Uh, we have been, yes, 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 she's looking all fly. Yes, Lord. Uh, and obviously, many of you are going to say, where did you get this guy? But I, no, I actually preach from the word. I really do. I just <laughs> believe in having a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, we've been married, we're going on 38 years of marriage. I married her. Amen. 
We had an arranged marriage, so when she was two, I married her, and then we raised her. <laughs> oh, you're kidding. But um, we're, just, we're just grateful to God. And we have two daughters. Um, Jessica's the youngest. She is turning 28, 28 this month, and she just graduated from seminary. And uh, that's, a, that's a little humorous story there, but... Um, she, she graduated her master's in youth ministry. And then my other daughter, Vanessa, she is a uh, teacher, kindergarten teacher in the public school, Cambridge Public Schools, and she will be 31 in December. So I am a blessed man. No son-in-laws yet, um, but the Lord knows who he'll bring in. So um, I, this is my first time being out of the state of Massachusetts since the middle of March, and yes, and and um, this is my first speaking outside since begin the middle of March. And we had the tri- we had the we had the triple whammy. Um, I was actually told that I could be through by uh, noontime because I'm a Pentecostal preacher. <laughs> only kidding, only kidding. <laughs> Teenagers, only kidding. <laughs> and <I'm> like really, <laughs> um, but we had the triple whammy. Uh, so when, when COVID hit, uh, and if you remember, it, was, it, it really started to kind of pick up steam with that ship that was caught out in California trying to get in and wasn't allowed to dock. And so we had, a, we had a cruise planned, and we were like, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the beginning of our cruise, and... We're just hearing about this craziness in California. I mean, it's, it's California. That's, it's the left coast. God is not there. It's, and, and surely, surely it's going to take at least two weeks. If it's going to get to the East Coast, it's going to take at least two weeks. So we went on the cruise. And I remember when we were about to leave, my brother said to me, hey, Brian, you know, if, if, this pandemic gets over here quickly and you are not able to get off of the ship you know to come back to the church you know would you still go if you knew and i said well i could use a sabbatical uh (laughs) so we went on the ship and we were having a great time and and but we noticed there were a lot of college students like a lot like a whole lot (laughs) and we were like well you know we started hearing a little bit about you know young people are okay but it kills older people like me but you know we were like it's way over there and then by the middle of the week it's only a five-day cruise I mean what could happen in five days well as we're listening to the news in the middle of the cruise we're like Oh man, this is this is this is not good. And by the time we land, we realized we had the triple whammy. We were out of the country. We were on a cruise, which was like like they're saying, don't be on a cruise. And then we were with a bunch of of, of young people, like college students, like yeah, spring break, like you know. Sodom and Gomorrah, and no, only kidding, only kidding, only kidding, only kidding. People are like, uh, did we come for the word or a comedy show? But I just, 
just lighten up the crowd. So, so I was wondering why in the world all these college students, and it, what happened was that all the families realized that like, it was going to be bad except for us, and they offered last-minute deal. If you wanted to go on a five-day cruise, all you had to pay was $99. Now, if any of you have been on a cruise, I was like, so that's why the devil is a liar. And we landed, and I text my, uh, my, my executive pastor and blah, 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 and I said, hey, you know, how's things going? And, you know, we landed, and I got a text back. This is the first time I ever felt like I was thrown out of the church. I got a text back, and they said the eldership board and the executive board voted, and they say you are not allowed to come back in the church for two weeks. And I was, I, I was like, what do you mean I'm not? They're like, you are not allowed. We voted. You can't come. <laughs> and I said, wow. So, I, you know, of course, I got direct deposit, and I made sure that they were still paying me. Oh, they can't. <laughs> Say, so, yeah, Lord, okay, the money is still coming in. <laughs> but I, I do, I do, actually, I really do have a word from the Lord uh, that the Lord uh, told me you need, to, you need to be here. And um, I want to read from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Now, I asked somebody to be uh, my helper. This gentleman, what, what is your name, sir? Just yell it out. PJ? TJ, okay, TJ, good. And I need one more volunteer, preferably a teen uh, volunteer. Uh, there's not that many of you. Uh, Joshua, okay, okay. You'll be glad you did it, Joshua, okay. After you heard me telling all these, you're like, what is he going to do with me? No, I'm, I'm here to, you know, shalom, 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 the peace of God. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. And 6, Acts chapters 27, verse 9 to 11. Proverbs 3, verse 5, reading verse 5 in the Passion Translation, so it was good to see it there um, during the praise and worship. And verse 6 in the King James Version. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision that you make. In all your ways, acknowledge, perceive him, verse 6, and he will direct your paths. Acts 27, verse 9 to 12, reading from the New Living Translation, the weather was, beginning, was becoming dangerous for the sea travel, for sea travel because it was so late in the fall. And Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it, and he said, men, I believe there is trouble ahead if you go on. Shipwreck, cargo, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. And since Fairhavens was a poor place to spend winter, most of the crew wanted to go to Phoenix and spend this winter there. Most of the crew wanted to go to Phoenix and spend the winter 
there. Did I say something wrong? Okay, okay, yeah, you know that. Phoenix is in the Bible. Yes. Uh, I want to speak to you on a subject. Winter is coming. Now we really have to trust God. Winter is coming. Now we really have to trust God. Now, I, I, um, I don't watch uh, Game of Thrones, so some of you are probably familiar with that term from Game of Thrones, winter is coming, and I'm going to know this is no judgment zone. If you watch winter, uh, Game of Thrones, that's fine. That's between you and the Lord. Uh, but the point is, is that when I heard that term, winter is coming, you don't have to watch that to know it's a bad thing. It's a bad season. It's a challenging season that is coming. And if you've, if you've just lived in this country for this year, this year, 2020, and I know some of you are like me, you know, you're very spiritual. Woo, God's going to bring the 2020 vision. Woo, hallelujah. Yeah, it's a great year. 2020 has been like five years in one between, you know, COVID-19 pandemic, of course, for us, the, the, the racial pandemic, a lot of stuff going on in Cambridge, and, you know, then the anxiety with regards to the elections and just, just a lot happened this year with regards to not only the, the pandemic of COVID-19, but the fact that you know, you know, my daughter's a teacher, so she's doing hybrid teaching uh, two, days on, two days in in school, then Wednesday it's remote, then two days back in school, and then there's the anxiety for us because our daughter, uh, my older daughter, she has sickle cell. So it's just, just a lot of stuff. And, and so as I was looking for words of hope as we're heading into you know, the fall, the Lord gave me this series, Winter is Coming. And he said, Brian, you need to get the church ready because things are going to either stay bad or get worse. And nobody wants to hear things are going to get worse. Everybody wants to hear your breakthrough's coming, and this is your year. Have you noticed that every year we say this is our year? <laughs> no one wants to hear bad news. And so uh, I, I preached this series. I'm still kind of working on it, but this is like fresh for you. This is not, no, I, I don't, I really believe that the Lord would want me to always give a fresh word to a church and not uh, 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 a retread, so to speak. Nothing wrong with that, but just what the Lord said to me. Uh, but I want to talk about trust in the Lord. Trusting in the Lord. And we, many of us have heard this scripture, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And this word trust, it is a Hebrew word, uh, batak, and it means to, it means to high, H. I-E, that word high, because I look at the word, what does the word high mean? I've never seen the word before. But that word means hurry, to speed, to, to expedite, for refuge. So when it's talking about trust in the Lord, it's talking to expedite, to rush into the refuge of the Lord. This word trust means to be confident in the Lord, to be secure in the Lord, to be sure in the Lord. But this was what struck me, to be careless in the Lord, to, to, I could care less. I could care less. And well, it made me think of Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, which says, 
be careful, be careful, be full of care about nothing, but by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests be known unto God, and the peace of God shall guard your heart, that is your emotions, and guard your mind, that is your thinking, in Christ Jesus. And so God is saying, you need, I need to start caring less instead of caring more. And how do you care less? Peter said it this way, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. You see, there are no, Lord have mercy, there are no online courses for faith. Mm. There, there, there's no online courses. This is like, well, let me get a little more practical. There's no online courses for swimming. I see that. You see lifeguard? There's no, now she may say, well, this is just a style. I'm not asking you lifeguard, but then I'm not going to put you out there. But the point is that lifeguard, there's no online courses for swimming. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't care if you have, you know, the virtual, no, the weed, I, I'm not up on, uh, I'm probably like three generations back when it comes to art videos. But, you, but even if you are, you know, virtually swimming and you can hear the water, whoosh, whoosh, you are not swimming. You're just waving your arms. <laughs> the only way to swim is to swim is to be thrown in the water. And I don't care how many Copenhagen, you know, Copeland and Hagen uh, sermons you, 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 you hear and you watch, and sooner or later you're going to have to faith it. You're going to have to walk on water. You cannot fake faith. And you can't survive on your mama's faith or your daddy's faith. The Bible says in, he, in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, the just shall live by his own faith. It's quiet in this Pentecostal church, but that's all right. That's all right. Now, I want to talk to you about four things that impact your trust in God. And these are the four points. Revelation, observation, explanation, and again, revelation. And so... So hopefully as you go through this next season, because I told my church, no, no matter who wins the presidential election, it's going to be bad. And we need to walk by revelation, not observation, not explanation, but revelation. Now, we're going to use Paul as a case study. And, and keep in mind, revelation deals with who. Observation deals with what. Explanation deals with why and how. But we always have to come back to revelation, which is who. So let's use Paul as a case study because uh, I, I believe that people usually remember stories when it comes to sermons. People usually remember stories and remember symbols or object lessons. So let's, and we're going to use Paul.
because Paul, many of you know, know that his, his name was Saul, and then uh, God changed his name. Well, I, well, I'm assuming God changed his name, but he could have changed it on his, no, on his own as he was changed, walking in his mission of dealing with the Gentiles instead of dealing with the Jewish people. But the name Paul means little, and you can almost uh, translate that to being uh, from little to humble, okay? And why is, why is humility so important? Because the Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace. James chapter 4, verse 6 to 10, he gives more grace to the humble. Now, now grace is a powerful thing because the, the technical definition for grace is God's influence on the heart and his reflection in the life. And, and I, I say this many times in our congregations, there's two kinds of grace. There's what we, there is successful grace, which we call favor. You know, you, you, you walk into, you're looking for a home, and the home costs, you know, X dollars, and instead, instead of paying, say, I don't know, $100,000, you end up paying $50,000. That's, that's, that's successful grace. That's favor. That's, you didn't earn it. It has happened. And Paul says th this word. very powerful in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, 11. He says, I am who I am by the grace of God, and God's grace was not wasted in me. Paul, and, and this is interesting. Paul says, and that's why I accomplished more than all the other apostles. But then he caught himself. He says, whoa, 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 no, no, no. Not I, but the grace of God in me. And so many times when people talk about, um, I, I remember uh, meeting uh, Miles Monroe, uh, who's went on to be with the Lord, and another, I was talking to another pastor, and we were talking, and we were in a Hyatt Regency in Cambridge, and I wanted to hear Miles Monroe, and he, and so uh, this guy drags me over to Miles Monroe, and he says, this guy, he owns, he passes two churches in Cambridge. And I'll tell you why that was so significant, why this man was so shocked that we would have two churches in Cambridge. And my point is, is that I know that it's the grace of God, that it's the favor of God, because I'm not that smart. <laughs> but God sometimes uses the foolish things to confound the wise so that people look at you and, you're like, and they're like, you? Nah. But they can't deny the favor of God. But then there's also what I call grace, meaning uh, the, I call it sustaining grace. So there's successful grace, which you're just successful. You're just blessed. You're just, it's just ridiculous. <clears throat> but then there is, <clears throat> excuse me, but then there is sustaining grace. I call that the grace to fight. What picture is that? It, Paul says it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, when he says, uh, uh, Satan attacked me with a thorn in the flesh, and three times I asked the Lord to take it away, and God said, what, my grace is sufficient for you. And what am I saying? I'm saying, I'm saying sometimes we take credit for the ability to keep trusting God in the midst of adversity. 
And so we say things like people like, well, I went through worse than you. And if I can go through this, you can at least go through that. Not understanding that the only reason you didn't lose your mind was because the grace of God has kept you. Stop taking credit for, for the grace that God put in you to go through what you went through. Last month, uh, my, my not, 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 this is November, so two months ago, and uh, Jeff knows my sister-in-law, uh, Sissy, she is, uh, she's a stalwart at uh, IFC. And when they, when they went, when they joined International Family Church, uh, uh, Sissy and her husband, Leroy, uh, my brother-in-law, uh, he became uh, a minister at IFC, and he, in fact, uh, he's the re, him and uh, Leroy actually went to uh, Free Bible Institute, and because of the effect on him, uh, Warren ended up going there with Leroy, so they were really good friends, and about a year after they were there, my brother-in-law, Leroy, he dropped off my uh, sister-in-law, and on the way back to uh, the house on 93 North, he had a heart attack of 45 and died. And that was just, that was just, it was just horrible. So fast forward, his son, Justin, amazing singer, my God, amazing singer. Uh, he used to be a worship leader at IFC. And uh, the last day in August, uh, my wife calls me crying and I was like, what happened? And, and found out that Justin got up and just dropped dead at 40 years old. And, and so, and this is Sissy's mi middle son. And of course we're having flashbacks. And my point is, is that people came in, I mean, weeping and hysterical and Sissy was sitting there in a calmness that was eerie. But it was the grace of God. And that's my point. You can't fake this. Either it's real or it's not. Now, the beautiful thing about this is that Justin, because of, co because of the coronavirus, he started coming back to our, our family Zoom prayers and gave his heart to the Lord about two months before he died. But so his, his ways are, pa God's ways are past finding out. We have to trust God in the middle of the storm. So let me, let me move fast. Oh, Lord, I got to really move fast. Uh, so Paul says uh, in his humility, he says, look, man, I believe that there is trouble up ahead. Well, how did he know there was trouble up the head? Paul is, he's a, he's a teacher, he's a rabbi, and he is a tent maker. But the Bible, I believe that the Lord gave him a revelation. A revelation. John chapter 16, verse 13 says, When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all the truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but those things which he hear, this is the Holy Spirit, that will he also speak, and the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. 
Paul says in, Re- in Revelation, no, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 to 19, he says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom, and God will give you the spirit of revelation and the knowledge of him. He says, let the eye, he'll let the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you would know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in Christ Jesus, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. In other words, God will give you revelation for your situation. And you'll be able to see things that make no sense, but it'll, it, it, we call it unseen realities. Nobody's ever seen coronavirus, but they know it's real. And my point is God will let you see things that are more real in the invisible realm than they are in the natural realm so that you can literally walk in a thing that nobody else sees but you see because you got a revelation. And Paul got a revelation that there's a storm coming and we need to, and we need to stay here in the winter. But then, unfortunately, observation kicks in. And the captain of the ship says, we need to get out of here. And the centurion, who's God of the prisoners, of which Paul was one, and, and, he, and Paul says, hey, I got a revelation. Don't go. But the captain of the ship says, let's go. Now, who are you going to believe for a cruise ship line? <laughs> are you going to believe a teacher and a rabbi? Or are you going to believe the captain He's not only the captain, he owns the ship. My observation is, well, teacher, captain. Teacher sits at a desk, captain, you're on the water all the time. I think I'll choose the captain. So he walked according to observation. That's right, it seemed like a good choice. Observation. And, and, and my point is, is that observation will kill, it will always be a threat to faith. Because God will tell you something and then you'll start observing things. God will tell you, like he said to Moses, hey, dude, no, let, me, let me not get too far ahead of myself. Uh, uh, Zechariah, no, don't change it, I'll, I'll get cut back. Zechariah, hey, dude, you are going to have a child. You and Elizabeth, you and Liz are going to have a child in Luke chapter 1 verse 18. And, and, and he goes to Gabriel, hey, Gabriel, have you, <laughs> have you kind of noticed that we are senior citizens? That ship has sailed. <laughs> he walked by observation instead of revelation. And many times people say, did Peter walk on water? No, Peter didn't walk on water. He walked on the word come. Yeah. You know, I do this in my church. That was a bad word right there. That was a bad word right there. <laughs> he didn't walk on water. He walked on come. When Jesus speaks, you can walk on what Jesus says, no matter what your circumstances say. That's right. So, Observation. And too many of us are observing too many things. For example, let me give you some observations that have driven you and I. Did I say you and I? I put myself you and I. Let's, let's see that. Yeah. Mm, observation. 
Observation. Observation. Ah, yes. TikTok observation. Facebook. Instagram. Don't worry, some of these things I already know about, but I don't put them up there to look smart. Um, YouTube. CNN. You know what? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to digress just to, you know, this is, this is, this is kind of therapy for me. This is stuff that I can get out with this congregation and then go back to my congregation and look like I'm a nice guy. Okay? okay. So, 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 what drives me crazy is what I call Fox News, CNN, MSNBC prayers. What do you mean? Well, it goes like this, because we have big prayer meetings, and, and so what happens is it goes, um, Someone's watching any one of those stations, and I'm not, whatever you watch, you watch. And all of a sudden, they see that the analysts say, we're about to hit a recession. So they have observed, we're about to hit a reception, a reception, a recession. And so they come to church, Pastor Jeff. Anybody have a prayer request? I have a prayer request. Let's pray that we get through the recession. Well, did the Lord say to pray about that? There is a war in Rwanda. Oh, I got a prayer request. Let's pray for the people in Rwanda. Do you know anybody in Rwanda? No. Do you care about anybody in Rwanda? No, but I saw it on the news this morning. So our, our prayer lives are driven Oh, this boy is preaching up in here. We get something through Twitter. We get a, a text message from somebody. We get see something on Instagram. No, uh, somebody puts on Instagram that they bully or they, they, they're hating on you. And now, you know, uh, I want you to pray because uh, I just need to feel the love of God. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, how do you, what told you that God didn't love you? Oh, I saw a post on Instagram and Facebook, and they don't lie to me. How about, how about reading another media called the Bible? Come on. And so what happens is that the devil, mm, let me preach this word right here, girl. The devil is just controlling church's prayer meetings. Demons are like, well, what, what, should we, what should we make them pray about this time? Oh, let's give Sister Jones a little pain in her knee. Oh, oh I know. Let's cause such and such's husband to walk out on her. And what will happen is that she'll come to prayer meeting all distraught, weeping and crying and making a scene because she never comes to prayer service anyways, but now this catastrophe hits, and what ends up happening is that the pastor or leader, they have something to pray about, but Sister Applesauce, because there's no applesauces in this church, she comes, ah, 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 and of course, everybody's like, oh, Sister Applesauce, how you doing? What happened? My husband got me. Oh, saints come. So now everybody in the prayer service gathers around, and we spend the next hour praying for Sister Applesauce, who never comes to prayer, and God's agenda is tossed out the window because we pray by observation. (laughs) 
enemy messes with your money, instead of you standing on, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, we freak out. Observation. Ooh, turn to somebody who said, this is kind of good. I'm not feeling it right now, but it's good. <laughs> and then we walk into explanation. Explanation, what is it? They said, we don't want to stay here. We want to spend the winter in Phoenix. <laughs> because... Phoenix is a Greek word that means the land of palm trees. Mm. So we want to winter. I mean, if we're going to winter, we want to winter in Arizona, in the Bahamas, in the Caribbean. Where there's, there are palm trees there. We don't want to spend winter in Rome, <laughs> New York. <laughs> and so many times... We need an explanation of, oh, well, this, is, this, 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 this kind of makes sense. Let's leave here. Moses, explanation. God says, hey, I want to use you. And Moses says, I can't, I, 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 I can't talk. Why are you choosing me? Explain to me, God, why are you choosing me? How can you use me? Mary, Mary, you're going to have a baby. She says, how is this going to happen? But she got it. So there's nothing wrong with asking God's questions as long as you're willing to receive his answers. And it's amazing that the angel says, well, this is how it's going to happen. He says two words, three words, the Holy Ghost. And she said, amen. Isn't it amazing? Mary, and and contrary to popular belief, Mary was only a teenager. She's a 16-year-old teenager, 14, 16-year-old, who basically says, I believe God. Whereas the professional, Zechariah, who is a priest who studied this stuff, he says to the angel, I don't believe it. And the angel has to say, you know what? Uh, because, because the angel said, because you've got to live by the confession of your faith according to the word of God and what uh, Brother Hagen preaches. Of course, Brother Hagen wasn't back then, but I'm just messing with you. He says, I'm going to have to keep your mouth shut because your mouth, mm, let me come back down here. <laughs> Tell somebody, say, your mouth could undo your blessing. That's why God has to keep some of us quiet. So now Paul gets a revelation because now they're out to sea and it's too late to come back. The terrible storm rage blotted out the sun and the stars. This is uh, Acts 27 almost finished, and until all hope was gone. Now, you know it's bad when sailors are saying, we're, we're, we're doomed, it's over. And finally, Paul called the ship crew together and says, dudes, you should have listened to me in the first place. Told you so. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. But take courage. What? Wait a minute. Do you observe the wind? Do you, do you observe we're taking in water? We have thrown, I mean, this is bad. And you're saying, take courage? I'm scared. But Paul had a revelation. He said, take courage. None of you will lose your life even though the ship will go down. The reason why you do is ain't going to lose your life. You know why? Because I'm on the ship. 
You, you, some, of you are, mm, some of you are so anointed that the devil wants to bring down a plane, and God, and, and God said, now nah, my child's on the plane. We're going to keep that plane on. He goes on to say, last night an angel of God to whom I belong and who I serve stood beside me and said, don't be afraid, Paul. You will surely stand trial before Caesar in Rome. So take courage. So take courage, as Paul says. So take courage for I believe God. It will be just as God said it would. And verse, four, verse 27, and when the 14th night come came, the sailors sensed they would land. So in other words, Paul gets a word three days in the middle of the storm, but then the storm lasts another 11 days. The storm lasts another 11 days. What am I saying? Sometimes you got to hold fast to the profession of your faith while the storm is still raging, but you have got to have the faith enough to outlast the devil. This boy is preaching up in here. In other words, if it means... You need to have a faith, you need to have a faith like it's found, we love to read Hebrews chapter 11 when it talks about by faith Moses did, by faith Abraham did, by faith Rahab, and, but the last two verses says, and there were certain people who died, but they were still believing. I'm talking about a faith that outlasts the devil. That I'm talking about a faith that while you're on your deathbed, even though it didn't happen, you still say, I believe God, he's going to do it. The devil doesn't want to mess with somebody who has a faith that will outlast him. I don't care what I observe. I don't care what's been explained. I believe God. Now, sir, could you do me? What's your name? Josh? So there's Josh and there's TJ, okay? So Josh. Could you tell me what is under here? Nothing? Nothing edible. Okay, nothing edible. But tell me, do you know what's under here? Okay, good. So do you know, so you don't know what's under here, correct? Okay, good, good. Now, don't say anything. TJ. Do you know what's under here? I think you do. I showed you what was under there. Don't say it, though. Do you know what's under there now? Well, (laughs) do you know what's under here? Okay, that's faith. Yes, I know. Say, say, come on, say with some conviction. Okay, good. Say it like a preacher. No, again. (laughs) So. This is how, so as long as you don't have revelation, you're just guessing. So the word reveal comes from two Latin words. Re means again or back. So when you re, you have instant replay, you're saying, play it back. I'm not a deep guy. Play it back. <laughs> Reveal is literally reveil. 
So revelation is the process of pulling the veil back. And so, what is this? A box. A box? Josh, a box? A box? A block of wood? TJ, is that what's really here? Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Everybody here is saying it is obvious that it's a block of wood. But TJ seems to be the only one who is saying, no, it's not. And so everybody here is looking at TJ like he's crazy because it is obvious that it's a block of wood. So TJ, could you please tell us with conviction what's in here? What did you say? A gift card. A gift card. Now, some of you say, I don't see a gift card. But TJ is actually right. It is a gift card to Dunkin' Donuts. And so, Joshua, that's for you. No, he already has it. Ah, yeah. Now you may say, wait, 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 wait. I don't agree with that. It's a box. Ah, this is so good. <laughs> Thirty-eight years ago, last month. I had a box, and I came to my wife with the box, and I opened up the box, and what do you think was in that box, man? An engagement ring. Do you think that my wife went to her girlfriends <laughs> and said, Brian gave me a box? It's not a box, it's a gift card. And so faith, you gotta react to the reality of what's under there and not what you see. And we're trusting that God knows the future for our church and our lives. Let me end with this. I wanna show you a picture of uh, our so this is our newest church. That's how it looked to the left when we bought it, and that's how it looks now. Unfortunately, that's a six-year process, eight-year process, yeah, seven-year process. It was embarrassing. It was, it was horrible. And, but let me tell you the story of this, and then we'll close, because we need to close. Um, because I really want to encourage you to trust because God wants to show you things in his word so you can stand on revelation 
while everybody is being thrown about by what they're observing and what is being explained. I, I share with Jeff that in Cambridge, Cambridge, Cambridge has the most million dollar homes per capita for cities that have over 100,000 people in, in population. So in other words, for every person in Cambridge, 100,000, there's a certain amount of million dollar homes. I, I showed them a home, a two-family, a two-family, I call it a two-family hoarder's house. Like, like, I walked through this house because we were thinking about buying this right next to our church. I, wa I walked in there and I was, I was scared in there. there. It was just like, it was, it was horrible. Just a two-family house. And, and we didn't buy it because somebody bought the house. They paid they paid nine hundred and fifty thousand dollars for that house, just to just to gut it out and and put another I don't know four or five hundred thousand dollars in there. Like like it's like it's crazy. People are buying, and a lot of foreigners, uh, uh, people outside America, outside of uh, the country, they look at purchasing homes in Cambridge like people purchase houses in the Hamptons, and they, and they're offering. So they'll go to you and say, we want to buy your house for a mil million. Yeah, we'll give you cash. That, that's how Cambridge is. Cambridge, nobody gets the asking price for property in Cambridge. They get above asking price. Above asking price. I have a de developer in, in our church, young guy, and he said, Bishop, I just, God blessed me to build a church, I build a house. And I, and I showed them the picture, and they did the general like, <laughs> like, are you kidding me? I'll, I'll show you the picture one time if I get a chance. So he built it. He, he basically gutted it. He didn't build it from the ground. He gutted it and fixed it up and, and sold it for $1.6 million. Okay? But, but this is the point. He, he had it on the market for $1.6 million. And they offered him $200,000 more just so that they can get the house. Because they already tried to go for two houses and couldn't get those two houses. So they offered two. Can you imagine getting $200,000 more than the price that you're asking? So that, that's came. So, so I, I'm going to give you all the explanation and observation. So this building goes on sale for $2.3 million. Yeah. And I look at and my realtor agent, who uh, just so happens to attend our church, which is great. So she was helping us. And she says, Bishop, this church is $2.3 million. I said, okay. And she said, you need to understand, explanation, that, and she walked through the neighborhood, all these million-dollar homes. And then she said, you see that house? We saw that house. That cost X dollars, the, the, the market was X dollars, but they got this. The market, as she, said, you, she said, you need to understand, like she's being respectful to her pastor, that everybody 
and this is six, seven years ago, everybody who puts a property in this area, they always get at least 4% above their asking price. I said, okay. I don't think you need to be a, a mathematician to do the count. And so I looked at our bank account, and I said, <laughs> three of us at that time were on my board to make decision, and the Lord, I'm talking about revelation. I said, how much do you think we should offer? And we all were in separate places, and God gave us the same amount. He said, offer $1.5 million. Offer them $800,000 less than what they're asking. <laughs> so I went to Masato. I said, we're offering 1.5. She looked at me like, if you weren't my pastor, I would slap you. <laughs> Didn't I explain to you? I took you on a tour through the neighborhood, and you had the audacity to let th that figure come out. I said, that's what the Lord told me. So we offered it, and of course, they were so insulted. That I couldn't even imagine how insulted they were. Like, they didn't even, they were like, <laughs> two months later, they come back, and they said, and my realtor comes, she says, Bishop, I don't know what happened, but they dropped the price from $2.3 million to 1.6. They dropped it $700,000 in two months. Woohoo! <laughs> and do you know what I said? You said what? I'll take it? Mm -hmm. I said... The Lord said 1.5. She looked at me like, now nah, I want to slap you again. <laughs> Do you real? And while I was sitting in church, because we have what we call our, uh, New Year's Eve service, at she came to me on January 1st, 2013. And she said, Bishop, they accepted your price for $1.5 million. Why? Because we had a revelation. And not fall for an explanation. Let's all stand. Father, I said a lot. And I just pray for this church. Because no matter what the media says about the economy, about how many people have been affected by COVID-19, I don't care what the media says and the statistics says about these young people who are planning to go to college and, and how the devil would speak negative news to them about this generation of Gen Z's and millennials, and they're not gonna have a bright future because this is just the way it is. You said in John 8 verse 44 that the devil is a liar.
In fact, the word devil literally means slanderer. That means he will slander. He will, he will slander to you about your situation. He will slander to you about who, about God, and he will even slander to you about yourself. You're not smart enough. You're not bright enough. No, this runs in your family. The devil is a liar. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Run quickly to him, and he will give you a revelation that will allow you to speak against observations and explanations. And he'll give you another revelation again because the other revelation is simply a confirmation on the revelation that he gave you. We walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, I see great things for this church, great things for this ministry as they continue to stay in your presence so you can give them revelation. Stay in your presence so that the Holy Spirit. See, revelation is not a what, it's not a why. Revelation is a who. It, it is the who, the person of the Holy Spirit who will show us what to do, who will teach us in the same. Luke 12 verse 12 says the Holy Spirit will teach us in the same moment. What we ought to say. Let us be like the apostles in Acts 16 where they said it seemed good to the Holy Spirit first than to us. Bless this church, Lord. And let this church be a beacon of what you're doing. Let people look at that church and say, how are they doing this stuff in the middle of a pandemic? And they can simply say, we're walking in the revelation of the Holy Spirit. We're spending time with God and God is opening our eyes to see unseen realities. In Jesus' name, amen.